welcome to the Volva Diaries with host Dr. Amanda Selk, bringing you the 101 on vulvovaginal health. So, hi, we have Dr. Luann Racher, who's a gynecologist from the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences here today to talk to us about vulvar cysts. Hi, Dr. Racher. Hi, how are you? I'm good. So why don't you tell us what kind of cysts can occur on the vulva? You know, there's a lot of different kinds of cysts that we can see um, on the vulva. Kind of working like from the outside in is a good way to, I think, start the description. So more on the outside of the vulva, you can see like inclusion cysts or epidermal cysts. And then um, you can also see Bartholin cysts, which I think everyone is, is pretty familiar with. Then Gardner's duct cysts, which are more inside the vagina. And then also Skeen's duct cysts. Those are probably the main ones that I come in contact with. For people who don't always know where the different glands are, yeah. can you just describe where the Bartholin's glands are versus Skeen's duct, just for people who aren't sure? Sure. So um, both the Bartholin's and the Skeen's ducts are type of vestibular glands. The Bartholin's glands are usually located just right um, past the hymen at 8 o'clock and 4 o'clock of the vaginal opening. And then the Skeen's duct glands are going to be just right um, lateral to the urethral meatus. And then you mentioned the sebaceous glands. Where do you usually see those? Those are usually more external. Most of the time, they're going to be on keratinized skin, although occasionally you can get some inside the vulva, after, I mean, inside the vagina after trauma. The majority of the time, you're going to see those on the external vulva skin. And then you said Gardner's duct are inside. Yes. And so those are more inside the vagina. Sometimes they can actually be misdiagnosed as like a prolapse, like a cystocele or a rectocele. But they are usually remnants of the mesonephric system, meaning that embryologically they didn't uh, regress the way that they should have. And now you have this extra glandular system that can protrude into the vaginal wall. Why don't we start with those ones? So how yeah. do you treat those Gardner duct So First of all, you definitely don't have to treat them if they're just an incidental finding. If they're not causing the patient any problems, they're not uncomfortable, they're not having any issues with intercourse, they're usually very collapsible and and don't cause a lot of symptoms. If they get large and they're starting to interfere with daily function, like the ability to wear a tampon or to have sex, then you could talk about surgical uh, resection of those, but there's no medical treatment that would get rid of it. It has to be removed surgically. Do they have high recurrences? I think the recurrence risk is pretty low. Um, sometimes they they can travel pretty high and even like follow the course of the ureter. I think those may be a little bit more likely to recur, but um, the majority of the time you get it surgically and it's gone. And are you doing the surgery vaginally? Yes, most of the time. That's how I've always done it. Very good. And so let's go through some of the other cysts. So then okay. your Bartholin's gland cysts. Tell me how you usually see those presenting. Sure. If they're not infected, they're usually painless. Um, They may also cause some difficulty with wearing tampons or having sex. But again, if they're not causing any significant symptoms, you can leave them alone. But they are more likely to get infected, especially compared to like a Gardner's duct cyst. Um, When they get infected, then they can be very painful. And it can be painful to sit, to walk, um, to have sex. And so then at that point, if it's become painful, then you have to worry that it may be an abscess instead of just a cyst. I can think of nights on call where we'll have three of them in the emergency room in the same night. So when you see them infected, what are the usual treatments? So if it's, if it's, 
mildly tender, not not just um, terribly tender, and, and it doesn't look like there's a lot of cellulitis or, or infection surrounding the, the gland, you can offer like warm compresses and sits baths and, and some patient waiting along with some antibiotics, but the majority of the time they're going to need to be drained. And how do you do that? Um, so vaginally, you would want to make an incision into the um, Bartholin's gland. You want to approach it. So I think that this kind of becomes like a very um, technical thing that gynecologists have a little bit of an edge over maybe some ER physicians because you want to go inside heart's line, which is the line where the skin goes from keratinized to non-keratinized in the vagina, make a small stab incision, and then you don't want to just leave it alone. You want to either put a catheter, like a word catheter in, or you can marsupialize it, give it a few stitches to hold it open. If you don't do that, then it will just recover and reaccumulate fluid again. Right. So you're trying to build a tract Correct. to keep yeah. them open. Yeah. Do you find that you, you can usually do this under local in the emergency room? Absolutely. Yeah. Unless they're just so exquisitely tender that you can't touch them without having severe pain. Um, the majority of those I'd either do in the emergency room or even in clinic under local anesthetic. And what do you do if they recur? So let's say that you tried a word catheter um, and they failed that. And I think when we should say that with a word catheter, it actually looks like a tiny little Foley catheter that goes inside the, the cyst area and then you inflate the balloon and it keeps the, the area open while it re-epithelializes and forms that tract you were talking about. The problem with that is it has to stay in four to six weeks. And I feel like I have had like two percent of people who can actually keep that in for the full four to six weeks i feel like they come out a lot more easily and so i feel like you're more likely to fail a word catheter versus a marsupialization so if i have someone that failed a word then i might try marsupialization if i have someone that has failed both then i'm looking more towards excision potentially i think one reason words can fail is if you make your incision too big at the beginning and then actually you can't get it in because it falls out yes I think another trick to it, too, is to tuck the end of the catheter into the vagina, um, which doesn't always happen. Or, you know, if it comes out, um, then it, it can get hung on clothes or, or that kind of thing and pull out. I tell them to tuck it back in. Yeah, put it back in. Yeah, <laughs> They might feel like they have a little tail for a while. Yes, but yes. again, it's, it's all, some of these things are all about counseling and trying to get risk of recurrence. Yes. Because suturing it open, sometimes you really need like four stitches to get yes. the whole thing to stay open. Yes. It depends on... If they can sit through that Exactly, right. And how many hands you have to help do it. And you're trying to, and then you want to sometimes break down those loculations inside. Yes, absolutely. Because it might be bigger than you think and have little pockets. And then when you suture, um, you have to make sure you're getting the cyst wall too, right? So it looks white and you can actually see it. Sometimes it can be bloody. Yes. And it drains this sort of whitey, Mm -hmm. yellow sometimes stinky material. Yes, especially if it's infected. Right. Mm -hmm. Do you think that excising the gland is difficult? It's very difficult, and you should not do it if you either don't have experience doing it or if that's your that should never be your first-line treatment for a, a Bartholin's gland. It can be difficult. It can be very bloody. They have a high risk of bleeding into the surgical site, even after you think that you've achieved pretty good hemostasis after you close. And then I actually have had um, a few patients referred into my vulvar clinic for chronic pain after excision of a Bartholin's because they had pudendal nerve entrapment at that site after the excision. So it really should be reserved for your last ditch effort. 
And what about some of those other cysts we were talking about? So you were talking about Skene's gland cysts. Um, Can you remind us where those are? Right. So those are the small glands that are just lateral to the urethromiatus. I feel like Skene's duct cysts are a lot less common. I don't see them very often. And most of the time they're asymptomatic. I don't think that that's something that you're going to see in normal practice on a regular basis for sure. And is it the same thing only when they're infected? Right. I think so. And if they're not symptomatic, I would not bother a skein cyst at all. Well, there you're right beside the urethra. Yes. Yeah. Other places to get into trouble. Exactly. Yes. And then for sebaceous cysts, do you treat those? You know, I really try to, those are probably the ones that patients come in and complain about the most, like have the most worry about, but don't really have a lot of symptoms. It's more of just, I felt this while I was washing and and now I'm worried that it's something bad. So usually if I, I find a, a sebaceous type cyst, I try to reassure them that it's fine. The majority of the time I try not to do any intervention. I always encourage the patient not to try to pop or squeeze it themselves. I think that that's something that is very tempting um, not to do that. Most of the time it will either resolve with time or if you use warm compresses again, if it became really bothersome, you could potentially unroof it in clinic. But it Again, there's not usually a need to do that. Can you think of any cases where you would suggest biopsying a cyst? Sure. So we kind of, when we were talking about Bartholin cysts, anytime you're over the age of 40, 45, and you have a Bartholin's, that's that's usually something that occurs more in the younger population. If you have a, a blocked Bartholin's gland after age 40, it really needs to be biopsied to rule out cancer. And a lot of the time, the underlying reason for having a Bartholin's, especially in the younger population, is infection. So you should always think about gonorrhea, chlamydia, trichomonas with those patients too, in addition to other types of bacteria. Great. Do you have any other tips or tricks or key take-home points about cysts that you want people to know? I think the biggest take-home point is if it's not significantly symptomatic, to leave it alone. Like, it's okay to be a little different. Um, Sometimes uh, going after an asymptomatic cyst surgically can result in a lot more um, problems than what you had before you started down that path. I'm a huge fan of that advice. Yeah. (laughs) So that was great. Thank you to Dr. Luann right here. And again, she's a gynecologist at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. Thank you so much. 